Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Merry Christmas to you. You guys geared up and ready for this week? Me neither. All right, great. Still got shopping to do. So, hey, I just want to welcome you. And uh, my name's David. If you don't know me, if you haven't seen me before, uh, I'm on staff here at Frontline. And today, it's a great time to be here uh, because we're wrapping up a series called Wonder. Uh, and it's been all about worship. So we spent the last few weeks all about worship. Today, uh, it's gonna culminate, and we're gonna talk about worship maybe just from a different lens or especially probably from a different story than you'd heard before. So to get into this message before we, we talk about it, I wanna ask you a question, and the question goes like this. Have you ever been disappointed with simplicity? Have you ever been disappointed with simplicity? Years ago, uh, when I was in college, I went to this concert, basically it was a a conference over a couple days in Atlanta, and it was in the Georgia Dome. There were 45,000 college students and young adults from all over the world, 70 plus countries that were represented, were all in this one place, and the biggest of big names were there. So Christian artists and speakers, and I mean everybody, it was unbelievable. This is where like the Falcons play. This is the Georgia Dome. And so not even just that though, but it was like, like it was at the Georgia Dome, but then it was also at another arena down the street in Atlanta, and it was at another arena in Texas, and it was all going on at the same time. They would stream the speakers, but the most epic thing I've ever seen, this was unbelievable, is they had three different rappers, one at each live location, that they rapped the same song together in sync. So like one would be in Texas and he would say his part and then the other one in Atlanta and the other. I mean, it was like the most unreal experience I'd ever had. And I went, how do you even do that? How is that even possible? And they're like, well, we we had to use satellites. What Christian group has access to satellites? That's what I want to know. So it was the most unbelievable, unreal experience that I'd ever had. And I just went, wow, This worship experience was incredible. And then I went back to my campus at Grand Valley State University and attended a student-led worship service in which the person three feet from each other could not be in sync. And I'm going, how can they do it with satellites in three different locations and people? How can they be in sync and three feet over? You can't. Have you ever been disappointed with simplicity? What we're talking about today um, is simplicity as it pertains to worship. Isn't this true that don't a lot of us do this in life? That a lot of us, we hit this point where we kind of do the same old, same old, or we experience the same thing over and over, or we, we hit a rut, or we, whether it's schedules, or life, or work, or purpose in life, whatever it is, many of us hit this kind of status quo, maybe even in our relationship with God, and we might ask the question, how am I supposed to worship if, if the experience is just flat? If it's lackluster? If it lacks something, how, how am I supposed to worship? As I was back at, at Grand Valley, how am I supposed to worship in this setting when I just came from one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life? How, how am I supposed to worship in this? Uh, I think we have a word for this, and uh, this word pops up all over the place, and oftentimes it's when we're describing a season or a phase in life, and the word is, say it with me, mediocre. Mediocre. Here's why I love this, the definition of only moderate quality, not very good. Can any of you just relate to this, whether it's in a season or like a specific piece or facet of your life? I love these these words, ordinary, 
average, middle of the road, uninspired, undistinguished, indifferent, unexceptional. It took like big words that we would let, so like exceptional, exciting, remarkable, and it put UN in front of it and just went, it's not any of these things. It's just boring. It's middle of the road, forgettable, amateur, pedestrian. I don't know what that means, honestly. It's like somebody just walking or it's just ordinary. I think many of us hit seasons of our life that feel very, very ordinary. And when it comes to our relationship with God, for many of us, that is actually unsettling. It's not what we want. In fact, I think many of us are hardwired for something more than ordinary. I think all of us are that way. And yet we hit different seasons where we go, okay, I, I, need, I need something different. I need to change the season of mediocrity. And so typically where we run or things that we run to are things that are bigger or better or faster or whatever it is that's more than what we're currently experiencing. So what we're looking at today uh, is the story. We're going to the Christmas story since it's December 22nd, and we're going to look at the lives of the shepherds in the story. So if you have a Bible, um, great, pull it out. If you don't have a Bible, we have these, and these are gifts for you. They're at all three locations. There are all three uh, entrances as you walk in, and this is our gift. If you don't have it on today, is 698, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, but I want to set up shepherds first so that you understand the story that we're jumping into. So shepherds, um, here's what the scene would look like. There would be shepherds in a field, and it wouldn't be a field like we would think of a field here in West Michigan with corn or beans or crops, whatever it is. Uh, this is like a field for the shepherds. It's very desolate. It's very dry. It's very uninhabited, and it's not just hard to find water. It's hard to find grass. Sheep eat. So can you imagine being a shepherd tasked with feeding this flock in an area like this? I mean, you see why shepherds would just travel constantly looking for the next green pasture, looking for the next green spot that their flocks could actually be nourished, that they could be taken care of, that they could find water. And so the shepherds, oftentimes, this is like, this would be a commodity, is there's a tree with some shade. So this next picture, I love this one too. This is what they would do or what it would look like at night. Is a lot of the sheep would kind of settle down they'd get situated, they would lay down, and shepherds maybe would be on different shifts, so like you have somebody sleeping right here, someone getting ready over here, and then one who's overseeing and watching. The shepherd's life, if you boiled it down to one word, could be described as mediocre. The pay was average, the reputation was less than desirable, the work was hard, and the tasks did not change almost ever. It was very mediocre. And this is where our story starts itself today in Luke 2, starting in verse 8. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keep, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, say it, they were terrified. So many of us, we've read this passage before, we've heard it before, or church around the holidays and Christmas. So many of us forget that when God showed up, like the heavenly hosts and the angels, when they showed up, it was terrifying because not one shepherd was expecting anything. 
They were doing things the way that they had always done them. They're in the fields, they're watching over their flocks, they're taking care of them. And all of a sudden, this bright light and booming voice speaks to them. And, and it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. He continues, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. This is my favorite part. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Do you know what I picture at this moment? If you've read this before, if you're familiar, you're like, oh yeah, they're all just singing. There was probably some light music, maybe a harp. You know what I picture? Trans-Siberian Orchestra. That's what I, with like six angels air guitaring, just going, yes, he's here. We've been waiting forever and going nuts and crazy. This was a big, huge, unbelievable, unexperienced moment that the shepherds had never had. And in fact, the world had never had until that moment. Can you imagine a worship service led by angels. It would have been unbelievable. Wow. You know, we forget that the Bible is made up of real people and real stories and real encounters. And such an amazing, incredible experience. The shepherds are tasked with finding the Messiah. And the clue that the angel gives them is this, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. That's important because a manger, if we get really simple, a manger is a feeding trough. So the shepherds, remember, they, they don't know what they're looking for. They don't know who they're looking for other than, hey, a savior has been born today. He's in, he's in Bethlehem, go look. So they went and they are looking for this thing that they're not sure what they're looking for exactly. They're just looking for the clues. A baby wrapped in cloths and lying in the manger. So can you imagine, like the shepherd says, go, like go find them. Here's Luke 2, verse 15. Here's the shepherds. When the angels had left them, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's just sit around and do nothing. I'm hungry. Can we eat first? They said, let's, let's, let's go see this thing. I love that. They have no words to articulate what just happened. Let's just go see the, the thingy that we were just told about. Let, let's go find it. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they get up and they head into Bethlehem knowing the two clues. We're looking for a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a feeding trough. Can you imagine the shepherds going door to door? Hey, you have any babies in here? What are they laying in right now? What would you do? You know, you answer the door, knock, 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 you know, hello. Hey, uh, we're shepherds, Merry Christmas. I know you don't know what that means yet, but we're looking for a baby. <laughs> do you have any babies anywhere? Yeah, we're, we're feeding trough, what do you have? Can you imagine them door to door to door to door to door looking? What are you expecting if you are them? Think about that. These are real people who don't know how the story plays out. We know but they don't. So door to door to door to door, looking for something that wouldn't be amazing, like what they had just experienced. What they were looking for is something that we might call ordinary or even less than ordinary. The reason Mary put her child 
in a feeding trough was not that significant by Mary's meaning. They're in a cave that looked much like this. It's where the animals were kept. It's where they would be housed and fed. Looks like this, probably not the hose. That was probably added later. But she's not going to lay her newborn child on like a hard clay floor. Maybe if dad was involved, right? It's fine. It's clean. Mary goes, no, we're going to use this, a feeding trough. Kind of looked like a bed. It had walls high enough that Jesus wouldn't roll out of. It was hay. There was hay in it so that it was soft. Mary was just caring for her child and didn't realize the significance of the clue that the shepherds had been given to find Jesus. Can you imagine them when, you know, they knock on the door and they come in and they go, I think we found him. I think this is it. They're coming off of an incredible, life-changing, outstanding worship experience. And they walk into something extraordinarily ordinary. Some of us might even say boring. Luke 2, verse 16, it says, they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Can I say this? I think every single one of us has a longing deep in our hearts for something more. I don't think it matters what stage of life you're in. I don't think it matters what kind of career you're in. I don't think it matters where you're at in a journey or a relationship with God. I think every one of us has this deep, innate desire for more than what we're currently experiencing. I think it was given to us that way, that we, that we were created with a longing inside of us. I think all of us are longing for something more, but maybe, maybe some of these different um, ways of seeing this might change you. Uh, I'm longing for something more in my purpose in life. So I'm quitting my job to try something new. Have you ever been in a season like that? I just want something more, so I'm quitting. I'm changing jobs. I know it's three times this year, but I, I, I want something more than what I'm currently experiencing. I'm longing for something more in my marriage than what I'm currently experiencing. So I'm contemplating divorce. I'm longing for something more in my relationship with God, so I'm, I'm going to try a different church. I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to pull back for a little bit. I'm going to take the pressure off. I think all of us have, have hit different seasons or are in different seasons in which we're longing for something more, and often our answer or our solution is to find something that's bigger or to find something that's better or to find something more expensive or faster or, or whatever it is, something, something that's more than what we are currently experiencing. And because of this, many of us bounce relationship to relationship, job to job, city to city, church to church, looking for something that, if we're honest, only God can provide. This is like the shepherds going door to door to door 
to door, likely with the expectation of finding something incredible and not looking for something ordinary. It feels opposite. Here's statements I hear all the time, uh, and maybe you hear these too, maybe on social media or Facebook or the news, whatever it is. Um, statements like this, never before seen. First time ever, record setting, unlike never before. Have you heard these? Have you heard these? Like, this is history in the making. And you just go, whoa, what is it? You know, it could be anything. It's like the biggest, best, whatever. We've never experienced this. Here's what makes me laugh is I think a lot of us hear this in church. Uh, oftentimes in different settings, you know, as a pastor or whatever, I hear even like in prayer, people say, God, please do a move in this place like you've never done before. And I think back to like some earlier things in this book, like bread raining down from heaven or like the Red Sea that split in two. And I'm sitting there going, I'm good with repeats. I wouldn't mind experiencing that. That's a, I, I don't need something brand new, but, but something cool, something different, something exciting, something that changes things up. That, that's what I want. Do you hear these statements too? Do you read them online or do you experience them in your family or with your kids or whatever? People looking for something new or something better or greater than what they're experiencing. I wanna ask this question. Is it possible that many of us are looking for something more in our relationship with God, but maybe are looking in the wrong places? That many of us who feel like we've kind of hit a rut in our relationship with God. That many of us who feel like I'm just not close to him like I used to be. I'm just not feeling the energy and the joy and the passion that I, that I used to or maybe hope to have. Maybe it's I just can't find a church or a place to worship the way that I, I really, like I, just something that fits my needs. I, I'm not feeling, I feel like I'm lacking something. Do you, can you relate to that? whether it's now or whether it's in a former season of longing for or looking for something more than what you're currently experiencing. I want you to think about this, the story of Jesus and his birth around Christmas time. Starting with the shepherds, do you know that no one looking for a good time would start in the middle of a field? Can we think about that for one second? Yeah, shepherds in the middle of a field doing the most boring, non-desirable task maybe in that entire community. They're taking care of stinky, smelly, disobedient sheep all day long. And they're trying to corral, and they're just dumb. So you're fighting other enemies and things that want to kill them, and they're just, they all follow and drop. Can you imagine doing this over and over and over and over? You're not going to say, hey, I want to experience something new in my relationship with God or in life or whatever. I'm going to go in the middle of that desolate field and wait for something to happen. I want you to think about this. Uh, Mary, who God says, hey, you will conceive, you will have a child from God. Do you know, if anybody, if you had said to anybody else, hey, there's a woman who's pregnant with the next savior of the world, are you gonna start by looking at the virgins in the community? Why would you look there? That doesn't make any sense. What about this one? In Bethlehem, Bethlehem is so funny because I think oftentimes we forget this was a very tiny little community. And, and if you had told somebody in the community, hey, there's gonna be a savior, he's gonna be born in Bethlehem, nobody would believe you. You'd be like, there's no, it would be like me telling you, hey, the next president of the United States is gonna come from Kent City. You're gonna be like, I don't even think people live there. 
I think it's just like a region. It's like a, it's one big field. This is how people would see Bethlehem. There's no way the Messiah of the world, you're not coming from Bethlehem. It's gotta be something big, something great, something amazing. Here's, here's one more. I bet you most people looking for the next king, king of the universe, wouldn't look or expect to find him in a feeding trough. Is that fair? Here's what I love about God, about this book that he's preserved for us, is God is often found in places that no one's looking. And he's found in situations in which we often would look at just as people as God wouldn't meddle there. God, we can't find God there. God couldn't use that person or that history or that community or those conditions. God couldn't use that. And yet, here's what's so funny is all throughout the Christmas story, God is found in places that no one expected. Can I ask us that question again? Are we looking for God in places that we would expect to find him, but we're looking in the wrong places? Where do you look to encounter God? What places do you run to? What speakers do you seek out? What books do you check out? Where do you look for God in your life? I think what's funny is the shepherds had this extraordinary experience in the fields and then stepped into an extraordinary ordin ordinary experience in a cave. And yet that's where they found the Savior. Look at this, Luke 2, verse 17. It says this, when they had seen him, the child, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were, say it with me, amazed. You're telling me that the shepherds had the most awe-inspiring worship service led by the Trans-Siberian angels and then went to a cave and walked away from the cave amazed. Does that hit anybody else? They weren't walking around going, cave was cool, but the angels, man, I don't even know what that was, but it was amazing. It says they left the cave blown away. And what the shepherd said to them, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This line is so important because it speaks to what the angels had told them to do rather than their experience in the field. They weren't walking away going, the field was incredible. What they walked away saying was, the cave changed our lives. I think so many of us long for extraordinary experiences with God. And we look for those in worship services. We look for those in books or speakers, or small groups, or different environments. We look to change and add and do more and do more and do more. And yet so many of us miss that God is often most present in simple 
places. You know, that's why the whole set today, the whole purpose of this morning was to strip away a lot of the complexity and a lot of the additives and a lot of the extras so that we could really hone in and focus on what is worship and to whom is it for. Because what we're in danger of is when we seek experiences of settling for something less than what God desires to give us. That it's easy for us to walk into environments hoping for something that blows our minds like never before, and if we don't find it, we feel like we missed out. And yet what the shepherds demonstrate in this story is as they walk into the cave, they were blown away not by the experience, but by the person by the encounter that they had with Jesus. This is so important. If you're writing something down, please write this down. Extraordinary experiences always leave us wanting more. But encounters with Jesus always leave us satisfied. It always leaves us full and whole and complete. As I think about where we're at just in the season right now, December 22nd, Christmas is fast approaching. If you could get in touch with your heart, if it could say something to you, here's what I'm looking for, what would it be? Because I'm willing to bet that if we dig deep to the core, there's some dysfunction, there's some brokenness, there's some devastation, there's some pain. There, there's things that are deep down inside of us that we are trying to fix or help or make better. And we're trying to do it by adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. And maybe what is most required is to strip everything away and say, Jesus, I'm starting back with you in the cave. I just want to meet you. Um, my, uh, my Christmas last year kind of changed everything for me. Um, as many of you know, I have a, I have a 14 month old, his name is Judah and he's a riot, man. He is so much fun and, uh, has a personality. We were talking, I was at one of our other churches last week and talking about worship and Judah does this thing when he like, when he hears good music or worship music, uh, he starts dancing, but it looks a little bit like twerking. And so every time that happens, you're like phone capture moment, blackmail later. I mean, it's just perfect. And he just, he doesn't know what to do just but squat basically. And it's been so much fun watching my son worship. His name is Judah and his name literally means praise. And it's so much fun watching the significance of a name be played out in my child. But here's what changed for me last year with Christmas is I took home this baby from the hospital who was mine. And what changes is all of a sudden, as I've read the Christmas story before, you go, it was a baby. It's not that extraordinary. Come on. You know, I, I remember I took mine home and I'm like, yeah, he cries all the time and he's never satisfied and he's, there's excrement everywhere and I learned what blowout meant, didn't know that. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is a pretty average experience thus far. Baby phase, not my jam. 
And then here's what changed is as he starts growing and as he starts developing and as he starts walking and running, um, you start seeing you in him. You start seeing the way that he laughs or different things, even in his face or his body. It's like, he got that from me. He got that from sand. Stubborn as an ox. Guess who that one's from? Just kidding. That's me. There's something special about holding your child. And you know what's funny about just Judah is last night um, or yesterday, Shannon's parents texted me and they said, hey, we know you're preaching tomorrow. We know Shannon's working both yesterday and today at the hospital. Um, Can we take Judah for the night? Sure. Uh, In my head, I was like, this is awesome. Like freedom, right? Like, uh, like finally. And I dropped him off and I came here and I did what I needed to do here. And I went home at the end of the night. And I think if you're a parent in the room, I think you'll know what I'm, what I'm going to say here. Um, when you walk home and you walk into a house in which your kids aren't there, you miss them. Oftentimes the opposite's true when they are there. You're like, I just need a break. But when they're not there, you know what I missed last night? I mean, just walking through, I I remember walking past his room and I looked in and I just smiled. Because what I don't covet is like the top of the mountain, amazing, extraordinary experiences with my son. Do you know what I covet most? Is the intimate ones. Is the ordinary ones. The ones like yesterday where I'm just rocking him in a chair. And I'm pretty sure I fell asleep before he did. I love that. Do you know our Heavenly Father longs for those ordinary moments with you? That God can, of course, be found at the top of the mountain and in extraordinary experiences, but never apart from an encounter with Jesus. And maybe that's quiet time with you in the morning, just with your Bible. Maybe that's prayer time. Maybe that's worship time in the car. Maybe that's something like here in a worship service. Maybe that's that's listening to worship music else or whatever it is. But God so desperately desires intimate, ordinary moments with you. So I just want to ask you, what do you need to do to create margin for that in your life right now? That amidst a season that glorifies more and more and more, what we're gonna lead to right now is less and less and less. So we're gonna dim the lights here in a second. Matt and Meg are gonna lead us into our worship set where we can just worship our King for who he is. So welcome to the cave. Our goal for you today is one thing, that you would leave having an encounter with Jesus and that your worship might not come from extraordinary experiences, but with intimate, ordinary circumstances that we have created for you in this time. So would you pray with me as we step into worship of our King in the way that he has been worshiped from the start. God, we just love you. 
We thank you for what you're doing in our lives right now. We thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church. And God, just as we step into this Christmas season, there's a lot of us that, man, some of us are sick. Some of us are stressed. Some of us are tired. Some of us are just maxed out. And God, when it comes to worship, oftentimes we just... We just want to add one more thing. We, we just, we want you. And so we're looking for bigger things or better things or faster things or, or whatever it is. Give us more, give us more so we can experience you. And Father, I think we found the secret tonight that more of you means less of everything else. So as we strip away just the next couple moments, Father, would you meet us here? Some of us in the room uh, have known you for such a long time and just need a refresher. We just need a reminder of, Father, moments with you come in quiet, still, ordinary moments. For others who maybe, we just hit a rut. We pray that you would minister to us over these next few moments through the words of the songs that we're going to sing. Father, some of us just need to worship you with our, with our hands lifted high. Others need to worship you just by praying and crying out to you for help. Father, some of us are just carrying pain. Some of us are carrying guilt. Some of us are carrying shame, and we just need to, to get on our knees and just lay that before your throne so that you can take it and so that we can experience who you are. Father, wherever we're at and whatever we need, we just pray that you would meet us in this space right now. We love you. We're grateful for your son, Jesus. We just pray that you would feel worshiped in these next couple moments together. And all God's people said together,